Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Fallon, and you're listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. Today, I am in my basement, and I have Jen joining me today, and I'm so excited to have Jen, our therapist, she call our resident therapist on today, and just a little look into what happened. Um, we recorded this full episode, and then I realized the audio was terrible on my part where it was echoing, 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 and Jen's audio was great, so now I'm re-recording my parts to mix with Jen's, so you may hear sometimes when Jen's talking, I say, uh-huh, and there will be an echo on my voice. I apologize. We're figuring out the best program to use so I can have Jen or other guests on. But Jen is with United Counseling and Wellness. We've had Jen on before um, because she is a therapist. And I had so many questions through an Instagram poll I did a long time ago now. I mean, months and months ago where I asked if you could have a free session with a therapist, what would you ask? And then Jen was so kind and she put them in different categories. And we kind of discussed for today, like, should we be talking more about COVID-19? Uh, the, because obviously with COVID-19, there's stress and anxiety and depression going around. Um, and we can't meet in person to talk about it. And I thought, you know, let's stick with our regular uh, plan. But things are different. For instance, my microphone and computer are set up on a box of Pampers right now in a closet in my basement, and Jen is in her bedroom. Uh, we kind of did a little FaceTime, and now we did this version um, just where we can hear each other through our computer. But, you know, Jen's office is actually so advanced because they already offer this, um, like, sessions through FaceTime, right? So we don't use FaceTime specifically right. um, just because um, we – we seek a higher level of uh, encryption and security and everything just for confidentiality, um, all that good HIPAA stuff. Um, but it's, I mean, it's video chat, super easy to use a lot like FaceTime or Skype, what people think about. Um, and we built that into our practice years ago because we were really seeing that, um, that the inconvenience of getting to a therapist's office, um, once a week to keep up regular therapy, was just really becoming a barrier for a lot of clients. Mm -hmm. And so um, so we started doing a lot of research uh, for how to bring online therapy to our practice so that we could best serve our clients and really make therapy an option in their lives. Um, and so at this point, some of our clients really prefer to meet face-to-face -face, um, and really like the um, being in the same room and breathing the same air. Um, some of our clients really just prefer online therapy and um, the flexibility that it offers. And um, some, so some clients do all their sessions online, but most of our clients just love the option to toggle back and forth just depending on what's going on. Um, all that being said, we were in a really interesting spot um, a few weeks ago when we all, I think, started to get a lot more serious about social distancing and um, protecting our community. Um, and so, so as a lot of other therapy practices were figuring out how to go online for the very first time, um, our clients were totally prepared. Um, and so um, we didn't have to worry about 
um, an interruption in service, especially at a really crucial time um, when the world has been a really scary place lately, we've still been able to stay connected with our clients. Um, That's such a wonderful service you guys offer. Um, Jen, of course, is with United Counseling and Wellness. You can find her on our website, ucwtherapy.com. And you actually offer services in other states, I know, because you have other therapists like in Wisconsin. Yeah. So, And actually, we're, we're looking at our, our network is um, about to grow quite a bit. We've found that there's been so much more demand. Um, and we have a lot of really excellent therapists um, in our um, kind of in our social network um, that uh, that that would like to be a part of our practice and um, kind of using what we've what we've built so far to help more people within their states and their communities. Um, so, yeah, so people can find options on our website um, to work with some of our therapists, but um, we are also really open to if somebody things that they want to work with United Counseling and Wellness and they don't see options that are um, that that work for them, whether it's it's the timing or whether it's the um, uh, the state where they're located, because uh, a lot of clients um, aren't really aware of the fact they wouldn't need to be aware of the fact that um, uh, the therapists are not supposed to work with clients outside of the states of their own licensure. Okay. Um, and so so anyway, but if, if people would like to work with a UCW therapist and aren't seeing options, um, we still urge them to reach out and we can do our very best to find them uh, someone great. Okay, so today we're covering learning to trust yourself, building self-compassion. And like I said, we did that Instagram a questionnaire a long time ago. Jen put together a list of questions that really fit together in this category, one we've actually addressed before, but we can go a little bit deeper into that one. And the questions today we're covering are, how can I get past perfection paralysis? How do I let things go and find peace of mind? Is it normal to feel like I'm always failing as a mother? That's the one we've covered before, but we're diving deeper into that one. Insecurity is my biggest issue when it shouldn't be. How can I work on this? And there's one that really stuck out to me in this one that I'm really excited to hear about, uh, but we'll kick it off with our first question. I'm Fallon, and this is the Heartbroken Podcast. Everyone has experienced heartbreak in their life, some more than others. Often, we feel like we're bothering our family or friends when we talk about it. I started this podcast to help those going through heartbreak share their stories. Sometimes it's easier to share with someone they don't know. I hope it's somewhat therapeutic for them. Maybe it gives them some closure. And to those listening, I hope it helps you feel less alone. Thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. How can I get past perfection paralysis? Well, and, and it's these are these are such interesting questions, and I I grouped them all together because um, man, there were a lot of people who were being really really hard on themselves uh, for a lot of different reasons, and um, when you see all those questions coming in at the same time. Um, it really starts to create a pattern, right? And there were so many questions around this perfectionism, perfection paralysis. So this one question, I think, found this represents probably 10 of uh, basically the same one, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty normal thing to use perfection as a way to try and feel a sense of control during an uncertain time. Um, which is super relevant right now, right? Um, right, right. Uh, there is so much uncertainty in the world 
especially um, as of late. Um, and so, so sometimes our brains ask us to find a place where we can feel certain, where we can feel control. Um, and, and it can be really helpful and um, calming and meditative to get something just the way that you want it, right? Um, but it also can go too far to the point where that calm then starts to disappear and instead we find ourselves kind of paralyzed, right? right. Um, and and I, I sometimes I think about this like this spectrum um, of self-forgiveness on one side, right? And accountability on the other side. And I think it's it's really important to have both traits, right? Like we want to be forgiving to ourselves and um, and be accepting when things aren't just perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't want to go too far with that, right? Right, um, right? So it's also really good to to try and to work and to keep ourselves accountable, right? To like make promises to ourselves and to other people, and then be accountable to those to those promises. Um, and so. What I find often is um, I work with a lot of clients who get really stuck on this accountability side, right? Like they're so good at being accountable to themselves and being accountable to the people around them that they um, they don't do a lot of self-forgiveness. Okay. And I think that there is fear that if they were to try and shift, man, I wish that we had a visual with this, right? But, um, <laughs> but I got my hands in the air right now showing like two sides of this spectrum, right? And um, uh, I, I usually try and invite people to, to come to the middle, right? Where there is still accountability, but there is a certain amount of self-forgiveness. And sometimes there's this fear that if they start to shift towards the middle, that they're just going to keep going too far over to the side of self-forgiveness. And um, sometimes I, I sort of look at like, like there is this healthy spectrum, but then on the outside of the spectrum, um, if we go too far over to self-forgiveness, we get into this almost like laziness category, right? Where we're just not really trying at all. Um, but then on the other side, if we go too far past accountability um, to the outside of that spectrum, we get to kind of this like craziness spot, right? Um, and so so I think that um, going back to this question, how do I get past perfection paralysis? It takes a lot of practice um, and a lot of understanding for you know, why our brains are asking us to sort of dig in and take control. Um, and then it takes some real active effort to pull away from that a little bit and sort of um, practice being okay with, um, with imperfection. Can you give an example of something like someone would specifically be going through? Like, is it that they um, are trying to be the perfect wife or the perfect employee? Or does it go deeper than that? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, gosh, this comes out in so, so many ways. Um, uh, usually when there is perfection paralysis, like... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's 
you see it in several different like facets of identity, which I think we've sort of talked about in the past, right? Like you see it in your work life and in your um, relationship with your partner or in, in relationships with others. Um, uh, you see it in, in the, the hobbies or other things that, that bring you joy. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be across all different um, um parts of our lives, it can become really centralized into to one thing, right? And um, sometimes this per perfection paralysis almost looks um, a little bit more like obsessive or compulsive, right? And I really um, try not to get too hyped up about these like terms and diagnoses, right? But, um, uh, but sometimes we get really, really, really stuck on one thing and we need it to just be absolutely perfect right and so this can come through for a lot of people at work right where um they are um not able to to turn something in for review until it looks just how they want it to look right or um they get kind of caught in the wee hours of the morning um working on something that really would have probably been fine if they had stopped working on it hours before right um and man i i feel like even just giving you one example gosh i like I see this everywhere. Do you ever see this in yourself? Yeah, I am the kind of person that I am constantly trying to be the perfect employee, and then I'll put all of my effort into that, and then I'm like, uh, but I'm doing a terrible job as a wife. I should be putting more time and energy into that, and I'll go apologize to Jake, and he's like, no, you're not. You're doing a great job. You're you're fine, uh, but I'll spin out my head thinking that I'm not doing anything good enough. I, you know, I, I'll, I really beat myself up a lot. When you think about, so like, I'm, I would guess that you and I probably both tend to fall kind of on that, the side of the spectrum that's a little bit more, um, over accountability, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's probably rewarded both of us in our careers because we try and try and try and try and do and do and do and do, yeah, yeah. um, which, delivers some really positive results, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then it's so easy to get stuck there, right? And not be giving yourself enough um, understanding or giving yourself enough grace, right? Um, yeah, and I think you know, sometimes I, I ask clients to do sort of like a really um, broad thinking exercise on this. Um, and I ask them to imagine that they have this like court battle raging in their head, right? Where they are the judge, they are the jury, they are the prosecuting attorney, they are the defense attorney, and they are the defendant, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I asked them to kind of like to kind of play out these um, these charges, which, which like the charges can be a little bit um, um, flexible, but it's generally like you know let, let's um, let's, is it okay if I use you as an example, Fallon? Sure, of course. Um, so like, so, so let's say that the charges in this case are that Fallon is not good enough, right? Mm -hmm. Or that Fallon is not worthy, right? And, and, um, and what, what happens is a lot of times just in the background in our brains, we realize that this like prosecuting attorney who's trying to assert that Fallon is not good enough, Fallon is not worthy, um, is getting a lot of time to speak, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just coming up with like, oh, yep, here's another piece of evidence why she's not good enough. Here's another reason why she's not worthy, right? And, um, uh, and what I ask clients to do is take some time and let 
the defense attorney sort of speak up and say, okay, well, hold on a second. Here's, here's a reason, here's a piece of evidence why Fallon is good enough, right? Here's a reason why she is worthy. Um, and, and start to really work on that list and, and go through life looking for evidence that shows the contrary, right? That she is good enough. She is worthy. Um, and then, then to go a step further than that and really, um, not just present new evidence to the contrary, but challenge the evidence that has been presented by the prosecuting attorney, right? To like poke holes in that argument, right? So, so this, this little, little prosecuting attorney in your brain that's saying you're not good enough, you're not worthy, um, is saying all these different things. Um, and, and we have to kind of examine the, the relevance of, um, the evidence that's being presented, right? Or sometimes like, there, there's this testimony being gathered, right? This prosecuting attorney is saying, well, here's somebody who who has said that Fallon is not good enough. Here is somebody who, who okay. shows they believe that Fallon is not worthy, right? Um, we want to look at, like, well, is that... Um, is that really a trustworthy witness, right? And and who are some of the um, witnesses for the defense that could, like, sounds like your husband would be an excellent witness for the defense to say, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. look at how good she is. Look at how worthy she is. Um, with and and he would be an extremely relevant um, um, witness, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it's actually perfect because I think that's a great way. I think I've mentioned this before, I'm a really visual person, so if I can like write it down and make a list and see both points or all the points, then that helps me actually understand it being such a you know visual person. Right. And so it's it's really um it's really amazing how many of these negative thoughts are often um just kind of um just churning in the back of our brains all the time. Um and we may not we may get kind of used to sort of tuning them out, but we still are kind of hearing them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but um, I think a really good first step is just trying to listen more to what your brain is already doing um, and then really take a look at it, right? So if you were to listen more and then write things down and then look at it, even just on paper, um, those some of those negative self-talk type things um, that you might be hearing and just kind of believing yeah. um look a lot less rational when you see them on paper right yeah yeah i think this leads in perfectly to our next question how do i let go and find peace of mind which is actually the one i was looking forward to hearing because because that's such a huge one for me yeah I, I think that that's that's an amazing question um and i feel like my my answer might be disappointing but i um I don't usually try and focus so much on letting things go as much as sort of loosening our grip, right? Okay. Um, because sometimes when things are really important to us, um, letting it go does not feel like the the appropriate option, right? Um, right. And so, but but if we are gripping so tightly onto something, um, I mean our hands are going to start to hurt after a while, right? And, and there's a chance that we it might shatter in our hands, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so when I think about like, okay, that's such like a cliche therapist thing, like, oh, just loosen your grip, right? Like we all know what that means. Um, uh, but really, I, I think what that, what that looks like is trying to be grateful for imperfection 
um, uh, trying to be grateful for the things that are not in our control because um, when we look at the things that aren't in our control um, and that we really can't change, um, this is where we find a lot more freedom and release, right? Um, so so I can give you an example of um, like the freedom that comes with appreciating imperfection. Okay. Um, so years ago, my parents moved into um, a new house and it was their dream home and they built it just how they wanted it. And um, my, um, my, my dad tends to really love perfection, right? And love beautiful things that are just so. Um, and they chose these floors, these wooden floors for their new house that were just what they wanted. Um, and during the move-in process, um, my, I can't remember what he dropped, but my dad dropped something and gouged the, the, these beautiful wood floors. Yeah. yeah. And, um, we were all so happy, which sounds really mean. Um, but because I mean, it's inevitable, right? Like if a house is going to be lived in, there are going to be scratches and gouges. Um, and, um, you know, if, if, if life is being lived there, um, there, there's going to be more and more imperfection to come. Right. Um, but that, that first little, that first little ding that takes you from perfect to imperfect, um, could be seen as really disappointing. Um, and, and like the, the end of the perfect period. Um, but we all felt it as this amazing freedom that came with the beginning of this imperfect period where we didn't have to be so scared of, um, uh, making a scratch or, um, um, or, or being, being the first one to, to bring imperfection. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Perfect analogy. Oh, yeah. I think that when I'm having a really hard time letting things go, um, I, I realize that I'm getting sort of stuck in that place. Um, and that's when I try and look for beautiful imperfection in my life. Right. And, and call it out to myself as something that makes me feel free and gives me room um, and is a different kind of beauty. I know everyone has their own specific example here. Mine is, you know, I'll get a comment online on social media or something, and it'll be something mean. And instead of realizing, hey, this person doesn't know me, they don't know the real me at all, so why do I care what they think at all? Instead, I will let it just consume me and really let it hurt me and Jake will be like Fallon you have to stop you cannot let that person control you sure let them let it upset you for a short amount of time but don't let it Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky in line at the deli I guess ah in my dentist's office more than once actually do I have to say yes you do in the car before my kids PTA meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. 
Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Take up your entire day or don't. They just sent that because they needed to feel better about themselves or they're having a bad day. And so you can't give them that control. Absolutely. And when you see that that what they're doing is um, is about them, right? And is you're seeing a person who is probably in in real pain and is trying to feel empathy by bringing somebody else pain at the same time, right? It's that kind of like misery loves company idea. Um, and because you are like a, a public figure, um, it's really easy for somebody to use you as a way to um, uh, try and like feel mirrored, right? Mm-hmm. That that if they were to believe that they could create pain in you, then there would be somebody else who would be hurting at the same time as them um, and that would make them feel less alone, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that's hugely violating for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but But when you can have some empathy and um, maybe even, I mean, sometimes it's, it's easier to, to replace some of that anger with a little bit of almost pity that says, you know, like, man, I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to be living in such an unhappy state of mind as that person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and grateful that I, um, that I'm living a life where I would never feel compelled to say something so awful to another human being, or whatever, um, that, that gives you the space to kind of let that stuff go. So I'm wondering, are people, do you think people are thinking, because obviously the comment on social media doesn't affect everyone. Is it something where like they're trying to, you know, move on past something they've done, like how they wrecked a relationship or something? Or, or what do you think this question is for, for the majority of people that sent it in, do you think? Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, we've seen so many questions about, um, forgiveness yeah, and yes. um uh and i think that this this question probably could have um could have gone into multiple different conversations that um that we've been having and will have um because this could be i, I think when i first saw this i interpreted this a little bit more as um forgiving self yes, um yes. and and it seems like like when you first saw this you interpreted it more as forgiving other and it could be either or both. Right. Um, but that when I think about the idea of forgiveness, whether it's forgiveness of self, um, forgiveness of others or, you know, building, I mean, like this conversation, right. Is about building self-compassion or whether this were building compassion for others. Um, when we look for forgiveness and compassion, usually we have to start with understanding, right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the more that we actually understand about, um, uh, the, the person that we're interacting with or, or, um, um, the situation that we need to let go, um, the easier it is to release it, um, and accept it and make space for it. Um, and when we don't understand, um, and we just feel more kind of confusion around it, uh, it's, it's a lot harder to, to find forgiveness, to be compassionate, to let things go. Ah, yeah, you you know what, with you mentioning self-compassion, like everything, yeah, that makes so much more sense. I mean, like, because now even the the floor analogy 
makes even more sense to me because you know some you do something wrong and you think you have ruined everything you are a horrible person you really maybe you messed up a relationship or you lost a job and you really beat yourself up over that and you're like no one will look at me the same i am i'm a terrible person right and when you look at your you look at your history or you look at who you are in that present moment um and see the imperfection in yourself that I mean that just it makes you real right um and I think that exactly and perfection is just such a dangerous illusion right um because it makes us chase this thing that does not exist um and and then takes us away from feeling feeling grateful for all the things that um that we do have and that are really good right Mm -hmm. and and I think that um when this is this is probably a conversation that we'll get deeper into um, in a future episode. Um, but if we have, if we've lived a life where um, um, we've had to feel a, a lot of shame, um, that I, I sometimes think of like like sometimes there's this like deep well of shame that lives inside of a person, right? And um, and that can either be because of experiences that they've had in their life which were not fair and um and were extremely unfortunate right um it can also be because they've not been taught the skills to be compassionate to themselves and release that shame and and give that like I think of like self-forgiveness and self-compassion is like the antidote to shame right um if if we so, so either if, if someone's early life um, gives them a lot of um, experiences that, that drive shame inside of them or, um, and or they're not given the tools to release shame, um, then the, the self-forgiveness thing is just that much more difficult and then things hurt that much more, right? And so, so somebody who, um, um, who reads an awful comment like that um, uh, if they have deep shame inside of them that they they haven't been able to to work through right or somebody who's been hurt in some way by someone else um, or is just really struggling to let things go if they can if they can work through this shame releasing process and um, uh, and make that a little bit more fluid process it becomes a lot easier to live a happy life that is um, real and imperfect in a beautiful way. And speaking of shame, this next question is perfect for this. Is it normal to feel like I'm always failing as a mother? Yeah. And we, do you remember we did touch on this yeah, question yeah. in our first one and it, it was so important that it had to come back a second time because yes, it's normal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that is, um, that is the, the experience of most parents. Um, and yeah, mom guilt is, very, very real. Um, and the more that we remember that it's, it's this biological drive that, um, that is, is there to keep our kids safe, right? Like if we, if we didn't feel mom guilt, maybe we would forget to feed our kids, right? Or, you know, we like, um, like it's, it's an important thing, but, um, but then when you combine it with the, like not to, to, slam on social media or whatever, but, but the, um, the imperfect or the, the, this kind of like, um, illusion of perfection that 
sneaks into our brains through all sorts of different kinds kinds of media um it really it really tricks us into thinking that 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 guilt is a voice that's telling us that we really are doing things wrong that we really you know aren't good enough right um and so when we even just labeling that it's mom guilt yeah yeah it takes so much of that pain away mm-hmm. right um because it's 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 a concept and it's not um um this um this indicator that you're doing things wrong right, right. um and actually i i think if it's okay we should we should go into the next question yeah yeah with this because um there was something really beautiful in in the next question that I'll that I'll tie together in just a second. Yeah. It says insecurity is my biggest issue when it shouldn't be. How can I work on this? And th- so so I get this a lot from clients like they'll they'll come in and tell me that they um they struggle with self-esteem, right? Um they um uh or or they struggle with self-compassion whatever it is or they struggle with insecurity. And the fact that they can name it as insecurity or the fact that they can name it as a self-esteem issue is so, so wonderful because that, that means that they already see that it's an irrational thought, right? So just the same way as labeling mom guilt as, um, as a thing, uh, it's, it's a reminder to ourselves that, that this yucky feeling that you feel inside has a name and it's a name for an irrational way of, of thinking mm-hmm. as opposed to this yucky feeling, um, inside is what should be there because you're actually garbage and you're not doing this right and whatever. Right. So, so right. when I, when I read this question, insecurity is my biggest issue when it shouldn't be, how can I work on this? I have so much hope for the person that asked this question because they're already, they're already starting the process, right? Because if if somebody walked in and just said, "I'm just a garbage person. I'm not good enough. Whatever," um, they wouldn't think that they were struggling with self-esteem. They wouldn't think that they were struggling with insecurity when they shouldn't be. They would just think that they were kind of a crappy person, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so so that self-awareness is really helpful, and that's why comparing stories with other people um, helps helps us keep things in check, right? So like being in a mom group and talking to other moms and realizing, oh yeah, that's just, that's just the way that it feels to be a mother. It's just guilty all the time. Um, reminds you that it's not because you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just the way that it feels. And I mean, we all are going to have insecurities. I mean, we just are going to. So it's kind of like, not you can't completely let it go. I mean, you have to be a good mom, but you have to learn to let it go a little bit because, I mean, none of us are ever going to be perfect, right? Absolutely. Oh, and I think it's good to it's good to see to see you know your shortcomings. It's good to see the things that you still want to improve upon or whatever, right? But I don't think that the that the the goal needs to be. Um, living without insecurity because then then that's where you could get to this point of like too much self-forgiveness which looks like laziness or looks like narcissism after a certain point right Um, and uh, and we don't want to go there but it's making sure that we have like a a balanced way of thinking and that we're critical of our own thinking right so Mm -hmm. so going back to that sort of like judge jury prosecuting attorney defense attorney defendant thing 
it's it's good to let the prosecuting attorney speak sometimes and present some evidence that says, mm, you could have done better there, right? Because mm-hmm. um, maybe, maybe some of that is right, and that's what helps you do better the next time. Um, but making sure that 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 defense attorney is is there to be the the other check the other um, uh, the other side of the argument to balance things out is what um, is what keeps us from going too far in this sort of like over accountability over insecure um, sort of craziness direction. So do you think that if you're working on this, a good starting point would be to do that exercise? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think. Um, uh, I think really sitting down, um, this is kind of an, um, an old tried and true therapy concept is to kind of examine the evidence, right? Um, and, and I, I like to have the, um, like the, the, the charges or whatever be something really kind of murky like that, you know, Fallon's not good enough, Fallon's not worthy or fill in whatever, um, um, whatever blanks you want to fill in. Um, but really look at, um, look at the evidence on both sides and, and then pick it apart, right? And look at the testimony on both sides and pick it apart. Um, and if it feels like there are people that are testifying for the prosecution and saying, she's not good enough, she's not worthy, um, think about whether those are people that you want to listen to, people that you trust, um, or, or, or then, then look at the other side of who are some voices that would would say you are good enough, you are worthy, and um, and look for trustworthy voices on that side. Yeah, I, Jen, this is so awesome because I've already taken so much away. I mean, every time I have you on, I have people message me and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I took something away," or "This was so helpful," and I can't thank you enough. I mean, I was personally looking forward to how do I let things go and find peace of mind, and uh, it's just it's basically amazing that you're on here and you take the time especially right now when you're so busy to help people out yeah and and I really I'm so glad that that people have given you these amazing questions because it's really given us an opportunity to to understand what people are feeling um, and what they want to hear right so is it okay if I sort of take these these questions and sort of boil them into like a, a takeaway for today yeah absolutely. yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I, I looked at all the questions and I was thinking about, um, like what would be the easiest steps to really, um, build in some, um, some self-compassion like today. Right. Um, and so, so I'm going to give kind of like a, I don't know, five step process. It's all kind of loose, but the first thing that I would say is really start to, um, try and pay more attention to the self-talk that's going on in the back of your brain, right? Like a lot of us have this sort of narrative that's, that's running um, uh, in the background as we kind of go through our lives. Um, and I think most of us have probably heard before to sort of listen to like the content of that self-talk and, um, uh, and make sure that it's positive self-talk and not negative self-talk, right? And, and I do think that it's important to look at the content, but I also think it's really important to look at the tone of the self-talk, right? So, um, uh, so then I'll explain this more in a second, but so th- the first step would really be to just like listen more to what's already happening in your head. Um, and don't even try and change it at first, just notice it, right? Okay. Okay. Um, then, then the second thing would be to sort of try and find some perspective. So, 
if you think about what your self-talk sounds like, I would ask you to, to think about whether you would let somebody else talk to you the way that you talk to yourself, right? And, and I've had, I've asked clients to do this before, like um, play out some of the messages that they say to themselves throughout, throughout the day, which might be like, like getting up and looking in the mirror and, and internally saying, ugh, gross, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then um, uh, getting ready for work and having this voice that's like, come on, what are you doing? You're always late like this, right? And like, just get it together, right? And, um, and if, if, I asked, um, uh, if I asked the client to, to visualize that like, okay, take that voice and now let's like turn this into a person, right? And, and let's say there's this like a boyfriend that was just like walking around behind you saying these things in this tone to you how long would you let this person stay in your life, right? Not very long, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be pretty easy to recognize that as like toxic and awful, right? Yep, yep. Um, but it's, we often don't even question that voice when it's in our own head. Um, then the next thing that I would ask to, to try and find that perspective is, would you ever talk to somebody else um, that way when they're hurting, right? right and right. 100% of the time, the answer is no, right? right, that, right yeah. um, that you'd never talk to somebody else in this critical, awful way that um, that you might talk to yourself. Um, so, so then the third step, after first kind of paying attention and looking for some perspective, um, would be to try something different, right? So I, I sometimes ask somebody to um, tell me about, like, any small kids that might be in their lives, so whether they're a parent or whether um, – they're, you know, an aunt or an uncle or whether they've ever babysat or, um, any, anything like that. And, um, think about the way that they would talk to a small child, um, and actually try and sort of mimic that sort of tone with themselves. Oh, okay. Um, okay. and so, so I'll give you an example of, let's say that I'm, uh, running late for work and, um, and I, um, I don't know, I knocked something over on my way out the door because I was being careless and whatever, right? Yeah. If I, in my head, said, everything's going to be fine, right? In this kind of like shaming, like shut the hell up sort of, um, um, sort of voice that told me um, to just stop feeling, stop feeling panicky, stop feeling anxious, whatever, um, the, the content of that message, everything's going to be fine, right? The content's good. The tone is yep, horrible, yep. right? Um, and so, but the way that, that, um, that I would be saying that if I were talking to a small child who was feeling anxious and upset and frustrated would be, um, everything's going to be fine, right? Yeah. With this calm, soft reassurance. Um, and that's the way that we want to talk to ourselves, right? And and just the same way that, that with a small child, it's not like you would um, have no boundaries, have no rules, um, have um, um, no structure at all, right? There would still be expectations, um, but yeah, there would yeah. be softness, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so after paying attention, finding perspective, trying something different, um, uh, then then I would I would ask to start like making a shift, right? Doing this um, this shift in tone and content, challenge that critical voice even a little bit um, each time that, that you hear it, right? So, so there's this constant noticing, listening, 
trying something new. And then, then the fifth step would just be to practice and practice and practice. And nobody changes the stuff overnight. Right. Um, and, and it never sticks 100%, right? Like there are times where I, um, I feel like I'm pretty good at this, right? But I don't want to get too good at it because then I would be at risk for becoming pretty narcissistic if, <laughs> right. um, if I was just like so, so compassionate to myself all the time. Um, but uh, but there are times where I realize like, oh, I've gotten kind of stuck in um, being a little too harsh and I may need to reroute a little bit. So um, I would say that it's like self-compassion is honestly habit building, like a lot of different things. Yeah. 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 Well, well, there's so many great takeaways from what you just said. And I just think I'm like, it's such a good lesson that we all can be kinder to ourselves. And I'm, I'm going to guess you would agree if you're kinder to yourself, most likely you're going to be kinder to other people on the outside as well. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Good. yes. Good. All, right. all right. Well, make sure you check out Jen's blog um, because she always does a follow-up. So she goes into more detail on the various things we discussed today, learning to trust yourself, building self-compassion. Her website is ucwtherapy.com. She works for United Counseling and Wellness. And you can follow her on Instagram where they also post um, motivational things. Um, also the follow-ups to our discussions here on the podcast at good human work. And Jen, as always, thank you so much for being on. You're the best. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Fallon. This has been, um, this has been really wonderful as always. All right. Thank you. And thank you so much for dealing with the audio. I know it's a little bit weird and I hopefully can figure out even a better solution. Uh, because if you're stuck at home, I at least want you to have good audio quality. Um, surprised that my basement closet isn't providing it, but we'll keep trying. Thanks for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.